to another episode of the Downsize with Style podcast to help you create a happy home and refine your apartment lifestyle. My name is Bettina Deda. I'm passionate about helping empty nesters and apartment dwellers achieve a stylish and functional home in a more compact space. I recently came across an article about downsizing where I read about a book called How to Make the Rest of Your Life the Best of Your Life. And I thought that sounds really interesting and I contacted uh, the author, Victoria. Not long after, we swapped our books and now I have her here on the show today. Apart from being an author, she's a leadership coach and speaker and has a very interesting story to tell, which we will hear in a minute. Her book is a celebration of smart single women over 60 and the many roles they play over their lifetime. It is based on a five-part formula from now to wow, which also related to me because my book is also based on a five-step process. And um, you will basically read how you can live a happier life in your retirement years. So if you are contemplating about how to spend your time after downsizing or what to do when retiring, this podcast is for you. So welcome, Victoria. How are you? Uh I'm well, Bettina. Thank you for asking me on the show today. Yeah, I was really interested when I got your book and now that I have read it even more. That sounds very interesting. Um, so tell our listeners maybe to start with a bit about your story, um, so about your life and how you ended up publishing your book. I'd love to. As our listeners would well know, you cannot walk on this planet for decades and not have stories to tell. However, unlike ancient cultures who listened to and valued the wisdom of their elders, there are few today who would listen to our stories, to our decades of earning wisdom because... Isn't it true? Wisdom is a journey that only each individual can take. No one can take that journey for you. So my story, as you've asked, is about leadership and it's about courage and connection. And here's how it went. As an 18-year-old, I did the young Aussie thing and travelled over to the UK mm. for a two-year working holiday and a Welshman decided to travel back to Australia with me. We got married and had two beautiful children. Then, 31 years ago, I continued that leadership journey as a soldier in the Australian Army Reserve. Mm. Over the following 23 years as a training, as subject training master, I trained over 7,000 soldiers and officers in weapons drill and theory and was promoted to the rank of warrant officer. Now, over the last decade, I've trained men and women around Australia and New Zealand in the art of leadership. I believe leadership is everyone's business. After all, we need to lead our own lives, don't we? However, I noticed few were in the driver's seat of their own lives, especially women and especially mm. baby boomer women. Mm. Mm. Often they would share with me their stories of resentment and resignation, some of which I've included in my book. Because of my life's journey, the lessons learnt and the wisdom gained, because I noticed how baby boomers were often viewed and still are as a burden on society as past their use-by date, mm. I decided to stand for what I believe is the truth, and that truth is we are one of Australia's greatest resources. My philosophy is it's your life, so be in the driver's seat. 
Mm. So that's why I wrote my book. Yeah, that's is quite interesting. May I ask how you came to the army? How that happened? Uh, what was it, that? <laughs> so I was a 29-year-old. My sister, my younger sister, asked me to go with her to the recruitment centre because she wanted to inquire about becoming a soldier. Oh. She ended up not joining <laughs> and I ended you up join. joining. <laughs> wow. It was amazing. And there are many reasons why I did that. Mm. And I don't certainly don't regret it because indeed those leadership, that training that the military gave me enabled me to change my thoughts, how I saw my life mm. and and what I needed to do. Now, it wasn't all good, of course, because no experience is, but often it's those things that weren't good that help you see yeah. what you prefer. Yeah. And what did you do before that? Before you went, you came back from England, you just said, and then... Yes, yeah, you, yep. So, so what did I do? Gosh, that was such a long time ago. <laughs> do you know, it's funny, when I was in the UK, I was a computer operator yeah. and I worked for the Rover Car Company and the computers then were the size of two to three big rooms. Mm. Now we have a computer that we can have on our wrist. Yeah, yeah. So it's incredible. But I've done, um, I've been a, in real estate and the real estate has certainly helped mm. uh, with, uh, I love people, I love connecting with people. It was interesting. I had a choice between insurance and real estate. This was in Western Australia, which real estate's different over there. Uh, it's more transparent, I believe, but that's a personal opinion. Mm. Uh, so insurance I saw as dealing with fear, whereas uh, selling homes, helping people buy the home of their dreams is just that. It's dealing with dreams. Mm, mm. Oh, that is quite um, a lot of different experiences you had throughout oh, your life. There's <laughs> yeah, a lot more. Yeah, yeah. Um, I am um, when I read the subtitle of your book it says tough love for smart single women over 60 why did you choose that subtitle yes. is, is it only relevant for women over 60 or is it Def definitely not no yeah <laughs> <laughs> I thought so yes but women over 60 do absolutely need it and I'll share some reasons with you why so first of all um I will remember the day I, I told a young man, it wasn't that, a couple of years ago, I think about my new website, over60stillfabulous.com. Yeah. And he looked at me puzzled and said, but Victoria, don't women over 60 have it all together? <laughs> I did laugh because the truth is regardless of how it looks on the outside, on the inside, many of us actually don't have it all together and it's even worse if it looks like we have it all together, meaning the perfect husband, the perfect children, the perfect house, the perfect holidays, the perfect car, but somehow you've got this hole inside, something isn't quite right. Mm. And so that makes it even worse because as well as being being unhappy we're also feeling guilty because how come we have everything that society tells us we should uh, want and fulfill everything that we want to do with life but we don't mm. have it so mm. and as for being single 
listeners will have their own opinion of whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. But the point is, the life of an older woman who has a partner is a very different kettle of fish mm. to that the woman who lives a solo life. Whereas for me, solo life is a serene experience. For many, it is a sad experience. And as we age, the pool of available men diminishes. <laughs> True. Yeah. And finally, according to the Australian Bureau of Statistics, single women over 60 will have an average of $60,000 super to retire on. Now, that's an average. That's not a lot of money for one's retirement. And there are many reasons why single women over 60 may not have that big fat bank balance. And it's not often their fault, and but perhaps that's for another yeah. um, podcast. So because of these factors, and there are many more, I chose to write a special book, especially for women experiencing life as I mm. and many others are experiencing life. It's a journey and it takes courage to connect, especially as we age. Mm. We've become entrenched in our mm. habitual ways, in our comfort zone, and that's why I've called mm. it Tough Love. So let's crack yeah. this in and I mean, it's, I think it's also different than in, in previous generations. Now, people who turn, not only women, generally who turn 50 or 60, it's not that they that's, oh, life is over now. It's just the other way around. A lot of people, yeah, start a new chapter of their life and, and do, do other things and, and new things and learn different things. And yeah, but as you said, it needs some courage to step out of the comfort zone and nice. do it. Um, I, I well remember reading a newspaper article. It was in the editorial of a newspaper and this woman had written in and she was moaning. She was saying, when, when I were young, the older women, they could get away with lounging around in their curlers and their dressing gown and their slippers, but now at 50 we're expected <laughs> to still look gorgeous. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'd also like to answer your question about relevancy. So a 32-year-old mother of one contacted me recently. She'd read a chapter in her mother's book. Now, that chapter, it would be one that you read, and that's the one that's all about the burnt chop syndrome. She was astonished because she instantly recognised that she'd fallen into that exact same way of behaving herself, and she immediately recognised the danger of that not only to herself but to her children and to her marriage. Mm. And I'm proud to say she changed it instantly. So because of the many learnings that are taken from my life as a leadership trainer to all ages of men and, and women, the relevancy is there for all. Yeah. As a matter of fact, on Amazon, I have quite a few reviews from men too mm. besides. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, even some younger woman, women have said they want to know what they're in for when they get older. Well, they're going to be shocked when they read my book because they'll find their life is already on that path and mm. often a path to unhappiness. Mm. Yeah, um, and that brings me to my next um, question or, or point of discussion, uh, happiness. There is a quote in your book. I, I just quickly read it. Many did not realize until the end that happiness is a choice. They'd stacked They'd stayed stuck in old patterns, patterns and habits. Fear of change had them pretending to others and to themselves they were content. But deep within they longed to laugh properly and have silliness and in their life again. I love that quote um, yes. because 
Yeah, it's it's in my book. I talk also about how to create a happy home, and a lot of people, yeah, they just don't don't choose to to do things to have to become more happy or happier. Um, and and you also mentioned in your book that this is one of the five top five regrets people have on their deathbeds, which is really sad, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> from your yes. from your experience, what why is this so? Okay, so to answer that, I'd like okay. to go back to those top five regrets of people mm. on their, their deathbed. I took that from a book written by an Australian palliative care nurse, Bonnie Ware, mm-hmm. and the exact wording of that regret around happiness is this, I wish I'd let myself be happier. Now, notice the wording here, let themselves be mm. happier. because happiness is a choice and sadly waiting until one is on one's deathbed is not the time to realise you did have that choice. So Mm. we need to wake up now. Looking at the other regrets clearly indicates why people do not let themselves be happier. To illustrate that point, let's look at the number one regret and that is I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, mm. not the lives other the life others expected of me. Mm. Now, this is fascinating. Whilst writing my book, I asked an 83-year-old woman, now she'd never heard of these five regrets, I asked her afterwards. I said, and I'll grab my book to read it, what did she want out of her life? And here's how she answered. She took a few moments to answer. Finally, she looked up and whispered, I wish I'd had more control over my own life. I wish I'd stood up for myself more. I wish I'd done more of what I wanted to do. Mm, mm. That's sad. Yeah, yeah, that's really, yeah, it's, it's right. And um, I think a lot of, in, in, especially in that um, baby boomer generation or people who are now planning to downsize, they they kind of don't take that step because they have too much fear what of the unknown what what's going to happen if i let go of all my furniture and belongings and move into a smaller space and have live in an apartment i have always lived in a big house and this is yeah it's this um i think that that fear factor is so big and and also that overwhelm how to declutter their stuff that's another point um that holds them back to really maybe do what they always wanted to do like I don't know doing more sports or travel or just not having all the chores around the house and all that yeah so based on what you just said I'd like to share and for for my 50th birthday I took myself off what I needed to do it because in 10 years of working in real estate Mm. I hadn't had one holiday because in real estate you're penalized for going away because you're not there to do the deal, so Mm. someone else, which is fair, gets their cut of the commission. So, um, And I was a single supporting parent bringing up two children on on my own, so to give away that commission was tough. Mm. I finally decided at 50 that I had earned it and I deserve it. For seven weeks, I travelled around Italy and the Greek islands. I only booked my first three nights. After that, it was as my... Mm. As it unfolded, the <laughs> yes. adventure unfolded, and all I had was my backpack. Mm. That's it. And it was an incredible experience of freedom. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. So I recommend it. You don't need the stuff. <laughs> you really don't need all that stuff. That's right, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 I think that's one of the hardest things I, I come across. People just can't let go and they don't see that all this old stuff anchors them even more in the past and doesn't so let true. them go to new things. I mean, yeah, it's always the same stories. When we came here from Germany seven years ago, I had to let go of so many things, mm. but I like from starting from our house and the cars and everything, my friends, my family and everything. Mm -hmm. It was a big step, but I mean, I went here with my family, so my husband and children, but it's, it's, I always say that it was such a change in my life, what happened here in Australia then, which I would never have thought of, you know. I would still mm -hmm. work in that agency where I was for 13 years, I think, already. Wow. Yeah, so you have to at yeah. some point just jump in the cold water. And I think it's really useful to think of a couple of meanings around the word fear. Mm. So acronym. So what is fear an acronym for? There are a couple of, I can think of three, and I just, I just love them. So the most common one is false evidence appearing real. So these people that don't want to downsize, they, mm. they don't want to declutter, uh, they're thinking of the bad things of how it's going to be. So, mm. But it's not the, the reality necessarily of what actually is going to happen. It's like when you're working and your boss says, Bettina, I would like to see you at 2 p.m. in my office this afternoon. Mm. So what are you now thinking? Yeah, mostly you think, oh, my God, what have I done wrong? <laughs> exactly, because <laughs> your boss doesn't have much uh, very good skills to do it that way, but sadly yeah. not many of them do, and yeah. they would say it that way. So you go into the office yeah, expecting to get uh, dressing down or even fired perhaps, yeah. so who knows, and he or she yeah. leans over yeah. and says, I just want you to know that you have done, you are doing such a great job. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> so that's false evidence appearing real. But like a friend of mine was told that uh, she went in for some tests and she was told that you might have cancer. Like, hello, mm. why do you say that to people? But they did. Between the time she took the test and the time the test came back, which showed that she didn't have cancer. But, oh, boy, if she was ever going to get cancer, it was going to be in that time frame. I think it was a seven-week time frame. Oh, God, she was not happy. Yeah. So, yeah. so fear is false evidence appearing real. It, it's also an acronym for forget everything and run. That mm. so you just throw everything, oh, no, no. it's too scary <laughs> and, and run. But I love the third one, and that is face everything and rise. Because mm. the fear is here. It's all up here, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's all in there. Yeah. Our listeners can't see that you just pointed to your head. So. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it's all up here. It's in the mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um. Yeah, so um, your book is based on a five-step process. And also, it's really interesting. There were a lot of parallels to my, my, the structure of my book. I have yes. also five-step process and worksheets and That's stuff. That's right, yes. Um, so what are the five steps you recommend in order to make the best out of your life? <laughs> Some readers might, and listeners uh, might think of skipping the first or perhaps even the second step, but that is really a shortcut that won't serve you. Because the first step is now. So this mm. is the reality check. Yeah. You cannot decide where you want to go if you have no idea where you are now. So let's say uh, you're punching information into your TomTom -tom or your GPS or even looking at a proper 
hard copy roadmap and you know you want to get to B, mm. but you do not know how to get there if you don't know no, A. Yeah. So you have to know where you are now. And um, basically what I've discovered is that many women have actually shared that on their life's journey thus far, and some men too, but let's stick to the women, they in the passenger seat or the back seat of their own lives. And some have even, well, one woman even confided she was in the boot. Mm. So that's the first step. Where are we now? Because we need to acknowledge that perhaps this isn't where we want to be. But even before we go on to um, the third step and fourth and fifth, of course we need to tackle the second step, mm. which is how do we get here? Because if we don't know how we got to our now, mm. how do we know we won't take those same turns, we won't, Take, do those same behaviours. So we dive deep into what got you where you are in life right now, who influenced you, what are your automatic habitual mm. behaviours. Yes. Most people don't know what they are. Mm -hmm. What Sadly. are your beliefs and all that? Yeah, yeah. It's very important, oh, oh, very yeah, important. Yeah. So the third step is once you've done that, we now have to look at what. So what do you want out of life? Do you even know? Mm. So many mm. don't. Uh, what is your why? If you don't have a why, then I can illustrate this by give it, uh, sharing that I recently asked a 70-year-old woman to share one thing that excites her about life. One thing. That's all she had to uh, give me. Now, how did she respond? She looked at me blankly for a moment and then with a shrug of the shoulders, she mumbled that nothing excited her about life. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, wow. <laughs> and she is not the Lone Ranger. Mm, now, mm. I'm sure your listeners have things that excite them about life. Uh, if you take note and you're not so engrossed in your life and you're able to look out at others without judging, just notice how they're experiencing life. Well, you might overhear conversations like I did in a cafe recently. This woman was talking about the tedium of everyday living. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's yeah. an attitude. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, step four is will. So, and, and will can be viewed in a couple of ways. Will you take action? Do you have the will, mm. like the determination to take action? Because you can have all the thoughts in the world, but nothing will change if you don't find the courage to take action. <clears throat> and basically I talk about is your life bitter or better? Mm. Mm. What would you prefer? Because I can tell you right now the choice is yours. Whether you kick and scream against that, the choice is yours. Mm, yeah. Mm. And then we've got the fifth step. Okay. This is the wow. So uh, this also stands, this is an acronym for Women of Wisdom. Yeah. But it's time to celebrate, time to acknowledge the wisdom that we do bring to the world. Let's have fun. Let's laugh. Here's why. Our grandchildren the future children of earth need us to ask better questions. We are the elders of our time. Let's act like that. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I am um, a good way, I think, to to really look at your life and find out more about why you did things is writing about it. I started um, writing a memoir this year. Ah. And yeah, for several reasons. One, the main actually was um, that I realized that my that um, my children don't know a lot about 
our life in Germany mm. and also my mother's, basically their grandparents' life. And because they came here at a very young age and they can't, the, my younger son can't even remember a lot from um. the first three years. So I thought I might as well start and write something down for them. And that was is such an interesting journey um, because you, the more I wrote and then all of a sudden this, this puzzle comes together, you, you kind of realize, oh, yeah, this is why, how, why I did that 10 years ago yes. and, and yeah. how a, a special points in your life led to other things 10 years later that you, at that point you didn't realize that this was a turning point or something. So that, that was, that's really interesting. And then, and then it, it's kind of you, get, you become really clear what actually um, – yeah, what excited you in your life or what was what made mm. you happy or what, what you always keep doing, you know, you repeated things and mm. it's it's quite interesting. Mm. Yeah, so I'm always telling if it, this is another big topic, letting go of sentimental items and again that's all the, the past, you know, and I, I always say, yeah, if people have the ability to write about it, you know, they don't they don't have mm. to do it with the aim to publish a book, but just for themselves yeah. or even their children. That's, that's 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 really great, and I mean, even if someone say I can't write, they could even dictate it into us, you know, in their phone or something, and someone else yes. could write it. It's, there's always a um, um, possibility to do it. Yeah, very true. Yeah, so that's um, yeah, that it's basically we started talking about that. Uh, um, when I read your book, I found a lot of words that relate to what I used in Downsize with Style, you know, happiness, yes. courage, stepping out yes. of the comfort zone, choosing to be happy. And um, it's, uh, yeah, it th th was really interesting to see these parallels. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, however, what we just said to follow our advice, even your, yours or mine, people need to make a decision. They have to do it. You can't force them. So how um, do you have any recipe for empty nesters how they can overcome their procrastination when planning to downsize and procrastinating it for years and years <laughs> uh, so i have two two uh ways because and there are more than two ways but they're the two ways that i'd like to share today one way to overcome procrastination is to develop self-awareness and mm. here's how about your home well about yourself and your emotional response to what you're doing so here's one way to do that when you open the front door to your home and you walk in that front door do you smile yeah do you feel a sense of pride or happiness or, or even love so if you don't feel anything if your inner self shrinks as you step through the front door if you even feel a little bit dark why do you continue to subject yourself to that don't you deserve better? Because one of the things that we do to ourselves is we sabotage ourselves, and here's why. Even at our age, we can still hear the voice of someone long dead telling us, telling us we are worth less, telling us we'll never amount to anything, telling us we'll never belong. Yeah? So we don't need to listen to that voice any more. We don't want that voice to come, still be with us in our head on our deathbed. So how do you feel when you open the front door to your home? Have that awareness of, of it. Now, another way, and you're probably not going to like this, but I think it's valid, 
another way is to accept that procrastination can be a good thing. So instead of beating yourself up because you can't make up your mind, say, okay, I am procrastinating. Perhaps something is not quite right. Perhaps your gut is not convinced of the soundness of your proposed strategy. So here's the truth I believe about procrastination. It's a device to let you know you need to pay attention to something. Mm. What you need to do is to find out what that something is. Yeah. No, that's a good that's a good thing, yeah. <laughs> but maybe then people don't really want to do that. It's this and this is the, the same with the decluttering. Um they you know there's 10 million ways how you can declutter but um, once you start you have to kind of think of each thing do I want to keep that or why did I buy that in the first place actually and so you have to really think back to your life why did I like this piece or how did I come to have 10 sets of china or something and then you have to think about things in the past and maybe people don't want to do that and this is why they again yeah for pressing it but I like that idea that it's a device to let you how did you say that to let you know that you have to think about you need to you need to pay attention to something and find out what that something is so procrastination Mm. is valid Uh, don't beat yourself up because you're procrastinating find out why Mm. that's Mm. it yeah yeah cool that's mm. a yeah maybe that's also a good um closing of our little discussion (laughs) is there anything else you wanted to add or you wanted to say or (laughs) get rid of (laughs) yes no no I don't need to declutter oh possibly though to in the light of what we were just discussing my mother is an absolute hoarder Mm. she when you go into her home you have to find the path around the stuff and you cannot know what's there. It's mm. just icky, sticky stuff that doesn't add anything to the atmosphere or the or the welcoming experience. Mm. It's like treacle, sticky, dark stuff holding her there and not no light, nothing really good. You go into my mother's home. And I remember this as a child. There are at least two wardrobes, at least, uh, probably more. There was a room I was never allowed to go into, (laughs) full of food, full of food. Mm. (sighs) Why? You know? Yeah. Because what that means is you're always full of fear. You're always thinking, well, there'll be some bad times will come and at least I'll be able to feed. Mm. Uh, Well, there'll be some bad times will come, but at least I've got these clothes or these Mm. this cutlery or this fluffy toys. I don't know. Yeah, Um, that reminds me actually of my grandmother in Germany and she was, you know, when they were in the Second World War, they had nothing to eat Mm. and it was always this, they always bought more than they actually needed they had always this stock it was not like you just described but there was always too much stuff and she always used to cook too much for who's going to eat all that and this was always because they had lived in that 
time where there was nothing and now they kind of thought again this fear you might need it someday so we better buy a bit more or even with the cooking so we, there was always these leftovers and I remember growing up with always leftovers because no one we couldn't even eat what she was cooking when my grandmother cooked we lived in the same house you know and for a time when I was a child yeah. she always cooked and yeah, but that is a different story. But it's, yeah, it's, um, so, but, but I mean, in your case, so your mother doesn't like to be helped from you. I mean, she, you are the absolute oh, I opposite. Dream of it. I wouldn't dream of it. I wouldn't dream it's of, just, um, it's something that mm, she doesn't even want to look at. And yeah. if you, she acknowledges the space, it's, it's sort of mm. like, it's taking over her. Yeah, um, yeah. she can't be happy in there. I mean, <laughs> this is... No, no. Mm. However, this is where we go back but, to the will. Do you have mm, the will, will to change? Will, yeah. Do you have the bravery to change? It takes courage yeah, to, yeah. to do something different. And the longer you leave it, the yeah. more in that rut that you're in. Now, a rut, the definition of a rut is it's a coffin with both ends knocked out. Mm, mm. That's not a good thing to be in. <laughs> We're still alive. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. All righty. Um, yeah, but I, I really liked your take on the procrastination thing. So I will, um, and I especially like that, that this is something I will take maybe into my talks. When oh, you God. open your front door, how do you feel? That is a good thing. Mm. Yeah. It's very important. Yeah, yeah. And all you might need to do to change if you become aware that you actually don't feel good, you might all uh, perhaps put a, uh, some flowers there. Exactly. Some doesn't colour. take something, just <laughs> yeah, something yeah, there. Yeah, that's yeah. all. But so many people blindly do stuff and they don't realise the impact of the simple things. Yeah, the small things, yeah. They have on their life mm, every single mm, day. Mm. I just recently wrote an article for House Australia about um, small things to make your life happier every day. And yes. one was putting flowers <laughs> Beautiful. on the table, yeah. some colour to your life, make your bed and all these little things. Yeah. Do you know, I read a long, long time ago and for some bizarre reason, I was a much younger woman when I read this, but it stuck with me and I could never understand why I read this. And it was about an aged care home. They didn't call it that. They had another name for it in Russia. Mm. And every morning they would have a big vase of beautiful smelling roses on the side table as they were going filing in to have their breakfast mm. and what they I mean it wasn't a military camp but what they were all encouraged to do was to pause at the roses and breathe mm. in mm. and I'm thinking yeah. and it's, and for some reason I thought Ooh. and of course now I know why for a start the beauty of the roses mm. And they had a smell, unlike many of the roses we have today. And then that beautiful smell, how it can transform that sense, mm -hmm. that sense of smell. And they're taking deep breaths. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. Yes, often the little things that make a big difference, isn't it? <laughs> True. Um, oh, before we close that little talk, um, maybe tell the listeners where they find you in the internet. You have oh, a few cool. websites. You don't have to name them all, but maybe it's just the most important or the ones where they, if they want to learn more if, about your book or about you, where they can have a look. 
Thank you. I guess one will be enough because that one links to my other sites, mm. but the over 60, and that's the numeral, 60, over 60, still fabulous.com. They'll be able to download the first two chapters of my book. I send out on an irregular basis what I call women of wisdom quotes. So, or a link to my blog post they can choose to get on my list to receive those. Mm. Over 60, still fabulous.com. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much, <laughs> Victoria, for um, today's little chat on the podcast. And, um, yeah, maybe we um, next time I'm in Melbourne, I <laughs> take that the chance we could uh, have a coffee. Or if you come up to Sydney, then we should I catch would love up. That. Yeah. Thank and you. thank you for inviting me, Bettina. Not a problem. So this leads us to the end of our podcast. If you find this show valuable, you can support it in several ways. The best way is to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. This will help promote the show and is much appreciated. appreciated. Um, um, and also, also, you can support, you can support my time, time in, um, in producing the weekly episodes um, by uh, going to patreon.com slash Bettina Deda where you can donate a weekly, um, make it weekly donation per show. Uh, I'd like to also announce a, a couple of um, sh workshops that are coming up in a partnership with the City of Sydney Libraries. Um, it, it's a three-part series called um, How to Achieve a Stylish and Functional Home in a More Compact Space. So it's all about apartment living. And um, it starts on Saturday, the 19th of September. Um, if you go to my website, downsizewithstyle.com, you will uh, see a link where you can book your seat. The workshops um, are free. And finally, if you would like to get started and book your personal downsizing consultation, a phone or Skype consult, you can also do that on my website. Um, we will discuss your individual challenges and you will become clear how to get started and how to overcome procrastination. Um, so downsizewithstyle.com, you will find everything you will need to get started. Thank you so much for listening today and I hope we speak in a week. Bye. Bye.